I just want to do God's will. What you're seeking is a blessing from God. You must expect a miracle. You have the power of choice. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to Life Today Live. I'm excited to have you here today uh, or whenever you're watching this program. And I'm, I'm going to start by reading something that could actually uh, get me banned uh, on the social media platforms that I'm grateful to be on. Uh, it's, it's not that I'm not trying to, you know, poke them in the eye. Uh, it's just that I've seen this censored or fact-checked <laughs> and some covered up, things like that, on some of the social medias. And so I'm, I'm going to do my best to abide by their policies uh, but to also bring you the truth. And the matter at hand has to do with uh, recent legislation. And so I am going to literally show you the website. That's it. Kind of dull, right? But that's the California legislator website uh, at uh, legislature.ca.gov. And I'm showing that because that, this is Assembly Bill 2223, which is introduced on February 15th, 2022, this year. And, and I'm going to read from the original bill. It says, notwithstanding any other law, a person shall not be subject to civil or criminal liability or penalty or otherwise deprived of their rights based on their actions or omissions with respect to their pregnancy or actual potential or alleged pregnancy outcome, including miscarriage, stillbirth, or abortion, or perinatal death. So... The way I'm reading this, because I'm not a lawyer, right? Um, but it, it basically, if if you accidentally injure yourself when you're pregnant and and you have a miscarriage, you're not going to be under penalty. Okay, great. I, I it can also read to me if I'm reading it correctly. If if you're perhaps uh, you have a, an addiction problem and it results in a stillbirth, that you cannot be penalized. Okay, abortion that's pretty clear, but perinatal death. Uh, what is that? I had to look up perinatal because I'm not a doctor. And you find out that perinatal starts, it's a period of time, starts anywhere 20 to 28 weeks prior to birth. Uh, and some of them say it ends a week after birth. Some say a four weeks after birth. Interestingly, if you look at the National Institute of Health website, NIH.gov, it says the perinatal period broadly defined encompasses the time frame from one year before to 18 to 24 months after the birth of a child, up to two years old. So in reading this, it basically says that if a child dies up to, according, if you use the NIH term for perinatal, up to two years old, there's no penalty for it, civil or criminal. There's no liability. There's nothing. Now, they have amended this bill because <laughs> of the outrage at this sort of thing. But these people are lawyers. You heard the way it was written. This is not accidental. This is in, intentional. I, I don't know how you can, I mean, we could argue it, but it sure as heck looks intentional to me. This is the type of thing we're facing legislatively and some of the attitude. It's not just, we're not talking about morning after pill. We're talking about days after birth that there are people who are okay with ending the life of a child. That's a big deal to me. And to my guest today, she's got, she's got the longest intro ever. <laughs> I apologize for that. but You, you don't have to read all of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, I know. I, but Abby, Abby Johnson is my guest. And for those of you who don't know, maybe you missed the movie Unplanned. Uh, 
tells a story of, of a part of her life, uh, and I'll let her tell it in her own words, but she's got a new book, and I do want to show that. It's called Fierce Mercy, because I really like what she's talking about, because this is a, a, an issue when you talk about abortion and now killing kids after they're born that stirs up a lot of passion in people, and rightly so. How do we handle it the right way? So we're going to talk about that. We invite you to be a part of the conversation. Chat is open. Please share, hit like, subscribe, follow, whatever. Abby, <laughs> great to have you on Life Today Live. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, I want your take on on the legislature, because I know it's not the only place that kind of thing is being at least proposed. I don't know that it's passed anywhere. But what what in the world? What is going on? Well, I mean, unfortunately, this this sort of is the shakedown. Uh, this is the the this is what happens in a post row world so you know we're not there yet row has not been overturned but uh we are row is hanging in the balance right now a decision has already been made from the supreme court it just hasn't been publicly you know put out there for us um you know we think that row could have possibly been overturned that decision could have been made and so this is where we are. So now we have these really liberal states that are making decisions, crazy decisions, um, to essentially codify Roe. And I mean, I guess, Randy, if you're a, a person who I, I worked with an abortionist one time who, and I remember when I, this is when I was working at Planned Parenthood, I remember thinking, this is nuts. But now I look back and I think, well, I mean, I guess it makes sense. He told me one time that he believed that it was perfectly fine for a mother to kill her infant 24 months after birth. Hmm. He said, I think infantici infanticide should be legal 24 months after birth. And I remember we were in my car. I was driving him to the abortion clinic where I worked and I said, why 24 months? Why not 25 or 26 months? And his answer was, well, you have to stop somewhere. Okay. And I mean, when you think about it, I guess, I mean, it makes sense. There's, there's no difference. I mean, if you support abortion, there is no difference in a baby in the womb that is eight weeks, 24 weeks, 30 weeks, 39 weeks. I mean, that baby is the same baby, right? And then there's no difference in a baby that is minutes from being birth, from being born, and then minutes after sure. being born, right? So yeah. if you're willing, if you're okay, which we now see states in Colorado, the District of Columbia, uh, you know, New York, all these other, New Jersey, these other states, Oregon, that have said it's perfectly fine to kill a baby until the moment of birth for any and every reason. Well, if you're okay with that, then why wouldn't you be okay with killing a baby after birth? Because it's literally the same baby. It, it is, but I think I mean, where the differentiation's coming, you know, you, you got, there's a point where there's a heartbeat. There's a point where there's brain activity. There's a point where there's viability. 
Uh, there's a point where you're actually delivered, you know, born. Uh, and then the point that I've, I've read that people that make this argument is that there's a point of self-awareness. And I think that's where they get that around two-year-old mark, which to me is just murder. I've got a grandson that's 15 months old, was playing with him this morning. And if you told me that you were fine just, you know, terminating the life of that child, I you'd, you'd have to terminate mine first to get there, yeah. you know? Um, mm-hmm. So I, 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 I get how they're sort of making the argument, but it's just it, I, it's all wrong. I, it's it's just so wrong. It's it's hard not to become one of those crazy people that I don't want to become, that is shouting <laughs> yeah. out, "You're a murderer!" This is like Nazi yeah. Germany. All those, you know. But there's a point where you go, but people are dying, and now it's just it, it's it's one thing when when you're again like a morning after pill. Okay, I, I can I can see how a reasonable person would say, well, if the fertilized egg is never implanted then it never you know down the road and it happens naturally all the time but to go right up into the moment of birth like you say you know five minutes before five minutes after there ain't no difference in that baby other than location at right. that point right so I, I yeah we have to draw a line somewhere your, your friend was right <laughs> but but we're so far beyond where that line should be drawn that it's 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 disturbing I, 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 and I know there's hope, and that's why I got you on, because I, I got to hear some of the hope. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think that, uh, you know, we're we're at a point now where the the good, I think the good news right now, honestly, Randy, is that the left has swung their pendulum so far yeah. to one side that people are going, wait, this is nuts. I mean, like people that maybe were more moderate or, I mean, I've had people that were pretty adamantly for abortion, you know, email me and go, wait, this is crazy. Like what's happening is crazy. And I think that there, people are starting to wake up. You know, it was one thing when, you know, when I started working at Planned Parenthood 20 years ago, um, the idea was, well, we keep abortion safe, legal, and rare. That was an argument that I think a lot of people could sort of get behind, right? There was an argument where people even, you know, sort of moderates or even more conservative people were like, well, yeah, of course. Like everybody wants abortion rare, right? I mean, that was sort of a, that was sort of an argument that I think worked and I think it got a lot of people on board. Um, but now you've got, you know, the former president of Planned Parenthood saying, well, abortion services are just as important as cancer screenings. Right. Um, you've got them now so radicalized. And now it's like abortion on demand, abortion for any reason. If a woman's had 15 abortions, that's perfectly fine for us. Um that is such a turnoff to people. 
Um, and it's such a far cry from where they were 20 years ago with this safe, legal, and rare, which we know that was a lie too, but it at least sounded better right, to the public <laughs> right. and it could get more people on board with them. But now they're so far, they, they're so far removed from that talking point. Um, now they're saying, you know, abortion is sacrificial and abortion is, uh, a, you know, it's a sacrament and it's a good thing. And um, it, it's it's such a strange Thing and people are finally, I think, just waking up and going, this is nonsense. This is ridiculous. I can't support something like this. What are you seeing? Because I think that another big factor is uh, the technology, you know, the, the sonograms, uh, the ease of knowledge for uh, a young girl. Because the first thing, you know, a 16-year-old girl that finds herself pregnant is going to do is go online. Uh, and she may easily find out, oh, yeah, this is what's going on in my body right now and see pictures of other sonograms. Uh, how much do you think education is helping our case? Because I do think science is on our side. I think it helps tremendously, particularly for um, young people. So what we know based on research is that this current generation so you know this generation y i think it is um they are the most movable when it comes to abortion um and i think one of the reasons for that is because and this is sort of like my 15 year old daughter's generation a little bit older so you know if you ask my daughter what's what's the first picture of yourself you know that your parents have she would say my ultrasound picture, right? right. And um, that is, I mean, that's generally what a lot of these young people say. You know, my mom, I'm 41. My mom does not have an ultrasound picture of me. That was not available, you know, to her, um, you know, in, in 1980. Um, but now, you know, people like me who have had children, that is available. So my daughter has seen ultrasounds of her seven other, you know, brothers and sisters. That makes a huge difference to these young people because they look at these ultrasound images and they go, well, okay, that was me then. It's still me now. Right? Right, right. And so I think that that technology, that ultrasound technology makes them incredibly movable on the issue of abortion. And um, I think also just the fact that I can, you know, I can go to, anybody in my daughter's class, right? And she's in high school. I can go to anybody in my daughter's high school and say, um, you know, look at this baby that was born at 21 weeks. And they can look at that baby. They can look at pictures of a baby that was born at 21 right. weeks. And I can say, this baby is alive. This baby is thriving. This baby is healthy. Um, now, I want you to understand that in almost every state across the country, it's legal to kill this baby for any and every reason. Mm -hmm. To them, that is shocking. That's horrifying, as it should be for all of us. Um, and that that's a very movable point for them as where as well because medical technology has gotten to the point now where viability is no longer 30 weeks it's no longer 26 weeks it's no longer 24 weeks mm. now viability continues to move you know earlier and earlier and earlier as medical technology advances and that's a huge that's a huge point of movability for young people yeah and like i say i think it's one of the most powful ones and and one that what that us pro-lifers need to just em embrace. I want to get to your book, uh, Fierce Mercy, 
available now. Um, give us a little bit of an overview because this is uh, this, this has got some interesting things that I want to discuss. I really, I really, again, like what you're laying out here. Um, but I want to hear it from you. What, what's your sort of uh, overview? Uh, what are you trying to accomplish in this one? Yeah. So I, you know, I wrote this book really for everybody. I mean, my first two books, Unplanned, The Walls Are Talking, and The, and the Walls Are Talking, those two books were really about pro-life, right? Those two books were really about the abortion industry. Unplanned talked about me going, you know, my, my story in and out of the abortion industry. The Walls Are Talking talked about stories um, from inside the abortion industry. And certainly this this book talks about the pro-life movement for sure, because that's my life. That's what I do. Um, but, you know, I wanted to talk about God's mercy. That was really what I wanted to showcase in this book and how God's mercy has completely just turned my life upside down in the best way possible. And I wanted to show people how God's mercy is truly available to everyone. And, um, and so I wanted to talk about how I have seen God's mercy really just be activated in my life. Yes. Through my ministry, but also as a wife, as a mom. Um, and I wanted to tell stories about that. And so it's really a book, not just for people who are pro-life, but um, it, it for all Christians, for all believers. And um, and so that was that was really, you know, I just wanted to tell some stories like that. And um, I, you know, I always tell people, if God can forgive me of my past, someone who has had two abortions myself, someone who has, you know, help to facilitate over 22,000 abortions. Um, he can forgive you of anything that you have done. And I wanted to put that on display and I wanted to, to show people how that happened in my life, um, how I accepted, you know, God's forgiveness in my life. Um, but also, you know, how I live with what I've done with, you know, God's forgiveness still in my life. Um, and how we can make a good work out of what we have done in our past with God's help. Yeah, yeah. A little insider for people. I actually, Sheila Walsh and I interviewed Abby last Tuesday for broadcast, and that will air in a few weeks. There were a couple of questions after our program, though, that we discussed. Uh, and one that I wanted to ask you that we just, we ran out of time, unfortunately. But one of the questions that we kind of had was, how do you get to the 22,000 number? Uh, because mm -hmm. that sounds almost humanly impossible just to tally it up. Is it, is, does it have to do with your facility or Planned Parenthood as, as a whole? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, it's not impossible. Um, unfortunately, you know, there's uh, uh, many opportunities. I mean, it's, it's my facility, yes. Um, it's not as a whole. I mean, if it was as a whole, it would be a lot higher than yeah, that. Millions. Um, yeah. Um, but it's my facility. And then also, um, I worked as, um, a regional trainer, um, in my last, in my last year at Planned Parenthood. So, um, I was someone who went to abortion facilities to, uh, help them, um, become yeah. more efficient. Yeah. 
um, and uh, help to expand abortion services um, across our affiliate. And uh, so when you do that, you know, that sort of adds up. And then also, you know, I had to, I had to include some of the education that I did because um, there were a lot of women for a period of time, I went into the school systems and I also went into colleges. And so I was basically a person that went into these places. I was the person that was um, basically spewing propaganda to these young minds um, starting in kindergarten and then all the way through college. And, um, and then, but at the college level, I had so many women that would come up to me and say, you know, I'm pregnant. What do I do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. And my job was to get them into a Planned Parenthood to have an abortion. Okay. Um, and so, you know, for those women, I feel directly responsible for helping to facilitate their abortions as well. So the other part of that, uh, that, ties into that is, is you do write in your book uh, that it is a burden that you carry uh, every day and I, I, I struggle with that um, for a couple of reasons I think one you know there's there's the part of me that says well yeah you should you know what I mean <laughs> but <laughs> just, as we would say to anybody you know like yeah you know um, but that's not my heart because I know that's not God's heart because his is one of, of mercy and of forgiveness. Uh, but there's a tension there between those two kind of reactions. I'm curious just how, you know, you don't get dragged one way or the other, you know, one where you're, where you're just weighted down by your past. And then the other way you're like, well, you know, God forgave me, no big deal. What's the right balance? Yeah, it is hard because you don't want to get into a cycle where you're like, where then you're uh, prompted to get into a habit, which is also a sin, which is this sort of idea of presumptive forgiveness, hmm. where you're like, well, I'm just going to do what I want because God has forgiven me. Right. Um, God will forgive me. Right. And so there is a tension there. There is a balance. Um, for me, I can just speak to sort of my own life. I do carry this burden of what I, what I have done. Um, and also what I failed to do, uh, during those eight years. Um, and even before that, I mean, honestly, I mean, if I'm honest, I didn't, you know, go to bed one night, this good Christian kid, and then wake up working in an abortion clinic. I mean, there were, there were things before that, right. That led to that decision to work in an abortion clinic. Um, and so, I would say that the the tension and the balance is this for me. I live with that burden um, intentionally, not forgetting what I have done intentionally, but I don't live with shame. I I don't live feeling bad about myself because of what I have done. You know, God has taken, truly, God has taken that shame away from me. But I wake up every day and intentionally give that burden to the Lord and say, okay, God, what would you have me do with this burden every day? Mm -hmm. You know, I want to give you this burden that I have. 
so that I'm not overwhelmed by it, mm-hmm. but that I don't forget what I've done because I want you to do something spectacular with it. Yeah. I want you to get the glory for where you have taken me from. And, and I want lives to be saved. Mm-hmm. I want people to come to know you. Um, and I don't mean just physical lives, but I want eternal lives right. to be saved. And, um, and, and so that's, that's sort of the balance. I don't want to forget, mm-hmm. but I want him to do something really, really incredible with it. I, it reminds me of this dude uh, in the Bible. His name was <laughs> Saul, uh, and then it became Paul. Uh, and I'm serious, you know, because I mean, he he killed Christians, persecuted Christians, and God turned him around and used him. So uh, I think that's the that's sort of the hope for anybody who's made any kind of mistakes that thinks, you know, I've done things that, that God can't use me. Yeah, no, he, you're exactly a great candidate, actually. You know, so that's interesting. I appreciate you letting me ask that because that's that's a tough one. That's a tough question. So I want to get to some of the things that, again in in the book because they show examples of what this fierce mercy looks like. Because you've you've done a lot of creative things, uh, and you, you go where you want to go. We we can talk, and then there were no. We can talk Times Square. We can talk some of the other outreaches that are part of the Pro Love Ministries. Um, what to you exemplifies? Uh, God's love and mercy expressed to people who are doing things that we we know are just wrong and in our human flesh sometimes just think, you know, uh, abominable, right? What yeah. are some of the some of the, what's some of the mercy you get to walk in? Um, you know, I think one of the coolest stories in the book is a story about. Uh, a woman named Adrienne Moten. And she was actually a woman who worked at Kermit Gosnell's clinic. And some people may or may not know that name, Kermit Gosnell. He uh, was an abortionist who is now serving a a couple life sentences um, in federal prison for killing babies after they were born. And uh, she was actually several people that worked at his facility were convicted uh, of crimes, uh, felonious murder and, and various other things um, because of their association and work with him. And when all of that happened, I was very discouraged by the reaction from the pro-life movement, uh, you know, the way that people were reacting to the workers and even Gosnell himself. I mean, the things that he did were, of course, abhorrent and terrible. Um, But I didn't see any call for, you know, we hope that we hope that he has a radical conversion to Christ. Right. I mean, I didn't I didn't see any of that. I didn't see any like prayer for him of course i mean be angry at what he's done but let's also pray for his soul right Right. like let's pray for conversion i didn't see any of that Hmm. and so uh, my my best friend and i started writing letters after all of these people were convicted and they were in prison we started writing letters to 
all of the workers and to Dr. Kermit Gosnell and his wife, Pearl. And we started writing letters monthly and we would write them, we would pray over them, and then we would send them into the respective prisons. What? And we did this for months and months what, and what, months. What did the letters say? um basically we just you know we well after a while i mean in the beginning we just sort of started talking to them about who we were and um that in the beginning we started telling them you know that we were seeing what was being said about them in the movement and um i was talking to them about my own story and basically just saying that i i knew what it was like um, to go through what they were going through. Um, you know, I'd never been in prison, but I had worked in the abortion industry and I knew what it was like to carry that burden. And I knew that there was a God that loved them very much and that I wanted to see conversion Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. them and that there were people in the pro-life movement that did love them. Mm. Um, and that I was one of them Mm. and, um, and that I was here if they ever did experience that that conversion, if they wanted to talk about Christ, that I wanted to be here for them. And so we sent letter after letter after letter, I mean, every month and never heard anything. And so eventually, you know, we sort of, after a year, um, we just sort of were like, okay, well, we're gonna send one letter. We're gonna bless this final letter and send it and just pray that something happens. So three years go by and um, one day my phone rings and we run a 24 hour hotline for, and then there were none, which is a a outreach for abortion clinic workers who want to leave the industry. And, um, and so I was, I was manning the hotline (laughs) that day. And so all the hotline phone calls were coming to me and that, so the hotline rings on my cell phone I pick up the phone and there was this woman on the other line and she says, uh, is this Miss Abby? And I said, yes. And she said, well, she said, uh, my name is Adrian Moten. And I just immediately, I mean, tears just started pouring down my face. And she said, I don't, I don't know if you know who I am. And I said, Adrian, I, I know who you are. I said, sister, I've been praying for you every day mm. for over three years. And um, she said, oh, you you have? And I said, <laughs> yes. And Adrian was one of the women that I had been writing to. Mm-hmm. And um, I said, oh my gosh. I said, did you get my letters? And she said, no, I didn't. Oh. I didn't get any letters. Wow. And I said, what? I said, I've been writing you letters. <laughs> And I said, how did you know to call me? And a lady in th- that was a minister in the prison system had gotten us connected. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I was like, oh my gosh, even though she did not, he- she did not get any of those letters I sent. Wow. God in his mercy still connected us. Mm-hmm. And she is now one of the most on fire Christians I know. She's completely turned her life over to the Lord. She speaks for us publicly and tells her story. Um, she is so on fire for Christ. And I'm like, 
God, thank you. Thank you for making that connection. Even though I didn't make it, right? Like even though I worked so hard to make that connection and I wasn't able through my own hands to make that connection, you made that connection. And that's just how good God is. That I mean, that is his mercy on display. Yeah, I love it. And, and that's exactly it. And that's hard for us to see. Um, Tex Cobb, a name you might remember, uh, he he was the, the guy who actually did most of the killing in the uh, Charles Manson murders. Right. He's been He's been a minister out in California prisons for decades now. He actually watches Life Today. That's hard for us in our humanity to wrap our brains around but that's the heart of god he doesn't want any any of us to perish and even those who have committed you know the most heinous crimes god wants to save and that's got to be our perspective so uh, that's what I, i love the fierce mercy idea because you never compromise the truth you don't uh hide the truth i mean you you tell people the truth but you come with a, a, a grace and a love and a mercy that fights for the redemption of people even while fighting against the evil that they may do so i i love it what, what do you what are your hopes what do you what do you want to see what what would make abby johnson happy <laughs> <laughs> oh man um what would make me happy? What would make me happy is if the if the the American Christian Church um, really took to heart and got active hmm. in the abortion fight. Um, now there are some that are doing it. I mean, my church is one that's doing it. Uh, you know, um, we do it very well. But I would say the bulk, the majority of Christian churches in our country are dangerously silent Mm. on the issue of abortion. And um, it's, it's devastating. It's devastating to the women who are sitting in the congregation who have had abortions, Mm. um, men who have, you know, participate in abortion. They've driven yeah. women to have abortions. They paid for it. Yeah, no, that's real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I very, very rarely get asked to speak at churches. Um, it's my favorite thing to do, but I, I very rarely get asked <laughs> to speak at churches. But every time I do, without fail, I don't think there's ever been a time where this hasn't happened. Every time I do, I will have a woman come up to me an elderly woman come up to me and she will say to me, you know, I had an abortion 40 years ago. Maybe I had an illegal abortion, you know, 55 years ago. And that woman will say to me, you're the first person I've ever told. Wow. And these are women who undoubtedly have been sitting in church their whole life mm-hmm. with this anguish mm-hmm. in their soul. Um, but for the first time, they feel like they can release that secret. And it brings me to tears every time I hear them say it because I think, man, that that anguish has, in a way, it keeps them separate 
from God because they must feel like in their spirit, I can't admit this because it's too heavy for the Lord to forgive me. And that breaks my heart for them. But I think one of the reasons is because we are not talking about this enough. We are, we are not letting people know that our churches are a safe place for people to heal from anything, anything. And we are treating abortion as this unforgivable sin in the church. And that is such a lie. And it's limiting God in such a profound way. We are limiting him and we're essentially calling God a liar. Mm. And that that breaks my heart. Either God is the one true God and he's the biggest God ever. He's the only God and he's so big and we're so small and, and he can forgive us of any transgression, everything, or he's not. Yeah. And, and I wish that the churches were proclaiming that truth. And I feel like we're failing and we're failing our congregation. We're failing women in the church who are sitting there possibly with an unplanned pregnancy who feel ashamed. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And instead of saying, this is the place for you, sister, this is the place we want to love you. We want to love your baby. We want to welcome that baby. We're going to throw you the biggest baby shower you've ever seen. We've got women who are going to mentor you, women who are going to walk alongside you. We've got a ministry to walk alongside you. Instead of doing that, we are sending them into the arms of the abortion industry. And that pains me greatly. Yeah, because Lord knows their their arms are wide open, you know, the, whether it's, and we know it's not real love, real compassion. It's not godly compassion, but their doors are open, always open to them. You know, uh, we've got to be that. We've got to be that too. Um, I hope I'm not overstepping, and you just tell me if I am, because here's here's what I see when you know you talk about uh, the church not being a safe place for that, and and there's a, a comparison. I think a little bit, a little bit. Um, they're not the same thing. I'm not going to go. I'm not going to pretend they are. But when someone has been abusive in a church, and then you have the victims of the abuse, and the abuser repents, it's oftentimes very hard for the victims to uh, even accept that ever. Even if it's like, okay, I accept it, but we have to be separate. I would get that. I would probably support that, right? But there's like there's an inability uh, because it's always you, you know we want to restore the, the the pastor who has failed, but what about the victims? Which is a legitimate question. In this case, um, we want to restore the women who have had an abortion or who maybe have worked in, in a clinic, even like you did. The victims have no voice. What would you say to, uh, you know, uh, the ones who aren't here because of the work or even to the women who had an abortion at your advice or your encouragement, the college girls, whatever. Um, if you were face to face, what would you say to them? Yeah, I actually have that. I have had 
that opportunity um, really? before. Wow. Um, and uh, you know what I have said to them is is that I'm sorry. Um, I wish I would have known better. Um, you know, if I would have known better, I would have, I would have never been in that clinic in the first place. If I would have known better, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have taken the lives of my own two children. Um, you know, I, I would have actually helped them. I would have, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have made the implication in their lives that they weren't strong enough to be mothers. Um, you know, I would have provided them with support, but honestly, I wouldn't have been there in the first place. I, I think I, a part of the reason I hesitate with even that, that line of discussion is because what I don't want to do is, is heap any guilt and shame on you because no, no, I don't no. think, any, no. I, I, th- I don't think there's anybody that could, uh, feel the weight of it more than you do. Yeah, no, 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 no. It's fine. It's fine to ask me that. Um, because I, I think that we cannot, and I say this all the time and I say this to, we actually have a healing retreat coming up this weekend Mm. for, it starts this afternoon, uh, Mm. for our abortion clinic workers. One of the things that we have them do in our retreats, we have them write an admission of guilt. Oh, wow. We can't heal from what we don't recognize that we've done. Mm. And so I think a very important part, it doesn't bother me to have questions like that asked of me because I'm fully, I fully recognize what I have done. I fully recognize that I coerced women into having abortions, that I lied to women. Um, Now, sometimes I didn't recognize that I was lying. Sometimes I didn't know I was lying. Right, right. Um, Sometimes I did. Uh, and I did it because I wanted to keep my job. I did it because I had a quota to meet. Mm-hmm. I did it because I was pressured to do those things, but it was still a lie. It was still wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, part of it is sort of this uh, admission of sin, this admission of guilt. It's the reason that we have them write out, you know, the number of abortions that mm-hmm. they help to participate in. Mm-hmm. You have to know what you're healing from in order to heal. And, um, and so, no, it's, it's perfectly fine. And I think that we have to be honest in the church where we have failed people. Um, I think we have to be honest, you know, where, how we have hurt people and then how we move forward, you know, in that hurt, how do we reconcile with people that we have hurt? And I think we also need to recognize as Christians particularly with abortion, is that there are there is a primary victim of abortion. And that is, of course, the preborn child. That That is the primary victim. We can never stray away from that. But there are many secondary victims of abortion. And, you know, the, the woman who's being coerced into having an abortion, the woman who's being told you're going to be kicked out of our home by her parents if you don't have an abortion, the woman who's being pressured into having an abortion by her boyfriend, um, you know, 73%, according to the Elliott Institute, 73% of women who have abortions felt forced or coerced into having an abortion. Those women are certainly secondary victims to abortion. Um, You know, there are, there are sometimes many victims, secondary victims of abortion. And so I think that we have to 
recognize that. We have to recognize that many people are hurt yeah. by abortion. You know, I chose abortion twice, but many people have been hurt by that by that decision. My parents have been hurt by that decision, right? My parents still grieve the loss of their two grandchildren that they will never meet this side of heaven. Um, my daughter, my children grieve the loss of their two siblings that they will never meet this side of heaven. Um, it hurt, abortion hurts everyone that it touches. So we live in a very wounded society. We need to recognize that. We need to give grace yeah. to people yeah. as much as God gives grace to us. Yeah. So we cannot walk around being this angry, you know, clanging gong everywhere we go. Right. We need to recognize that the church is a hurting place. The church is a place for people who are hurting. Mm. The place is, the church is a place. It's a hospital, right? Yep. It's a hospital for the sick. And so we have to give grace to every single person that we congregate with, every single person that we encounter. We have to recognize that we all have hurts. We are all healing from something. Yeah, I, I, I can't couldn't say it better, and and, and I, I think you're 100 percent right. I also need to get the the log out of my own eye before I go griping about the speck in yours, right? You know, um, we all we've all failed, uh, and failure is failure. So sin is you know one sin may be worse in human terms, um, but it's all short of God's glory. So we've got to we got to remember that grace. Abby, thank you. Is the thing that you're about to do this afternoon, uh, is that through Pro Love Ministries? So that's through, and then there were none. Okay. And uh, if people go to my Facebook page, there is actually a prayer sign up. And we have prayer going every single hour of the day, all wow. throughout the night, because we have women that wake up. You know, we're uncovering, we are unearthing trauma and things that happen. So sometimes two o'clock in the morning, we will have a former worker wake up with a nightmare. And um, and so it's only facilitated by therapists. It's, I'm a therapist uh, and we have two other therapists that are there that facilitate the Christian therapists that are there facilitating this. And so sometimes in the middle of the night, we are having to deal with a trauma, um, something you know with PTSD. And so we need people praying at all hours of the day, all hours of the night, people can go to my Facebook and they can sign up uh, to pray during this retreat. Very cool. Uh, is there anything else that you're you're doing out there, either with with Pro Love or uh, on AbbyJ.com that you want to mention uh, on top of the book? I just want I want people to know where to go for resources to whether yeah. to, maybe they just want to invite you to come speak at their church at your at their church because <laughs> things to happen more often. Or if there's someone who's you know struggling with this uh, either side of an abortion. Yeah. So um, probably the most the most sought after resource I have right now is called loveline.com. And it is a 24 hour crisis line for anyone who is in crisis, whether it is a single parent who is in need of help, whether it is um, a, a woman who is pregnant, who is in need of help. Um, anyone is, if you're a victim of domestic violence, if you're a victim of sex trafficking, anyone, and I mean that anyone, woman or man who is in a crisis situation, you can go to loveline.com. And uh, we have case managers there who are willing to help walk you through whatever crisis you're in. Hmm. That's good. I also want to show you Abby's website. It is uh, abbyj.com and you've got lots of great videos and stuff and the, her books. So, 
she's she's not out here push push pushing on the book so i'll do it for her <laughs> and say thank you abby i appreciate your time and i appreciate the, the grace to allow me to ask some tough questions i ask of course. I, I i just i want to understand so that i can uh be in a hopefully a better position to encourage and help people uh and make people think a little bit right with some of the tough yeah. questions anything else i missed that you want to add before i let you go no no i think that's great thank you so much thank you for asking the hard questions because if you have the question other people have the question yeah. and i'm always open to answer so <laughs> yeah it's it's true and it you know it takes you have to be in a healed position to even answer that question uh you know um to have thought through it and and not feel wounded again by it so that, that's a good thing yeah Woo! what a program right hit share or like or follow um if you know somebody that's dealt with that's had an abortion and doesn't know what to do especially if they're a christian now and they're like the woman who doesn't want to admit it um uh, this would be i think a real good real good place uh to start share this interview share abby's resources uh of course check out the book fierce mercy uh we gotta we gotta be good at this people we're, we're god's ambassadors on this earth for healing and wholeness because that's what he wants for every one of us so appreciate you guys hanging out watching uh we've got more so join us again next week we'll see you again next time here on life today live Trusted he to gain the whole world, but lose.